Welcome to the 501 Companion Podcast, the place that you go when you want to get information about charities and how to improve your charitable organization. We are at episode number nine. We're going to be reviewing some fun nines and catching up on some of the things that we've been talking about in previous episodes. Why is nine so good? Well, revolution number nine by the Beatles. And are you just grateful every time you see the K-9 team? And let me just tell you, the whole nine yards is a criminally underrated movie. We're so excited for this episode that we're all dressed to the nines. Nick, cue the music. And here we are. We are in the show. Guys, welcome to episode nine of the 501 Companion Podcast. How are you guys doing tonight? Rocking it. Doing great, buddy. Are you feeling it? I feel like we're, we're, we're hitting a groove, guys. Um, we were always looking towards number 10 as as some sort of level of um, confidence and proficiency. I feel like we're getting there. So we, um, we almost have confidence and proficiency. <laughs> almost. Hey, listen, we're being honest. We're going on a journey together. We, we are learning podcasting in real time, uh, learning about charities and trying to make the world a slightly better place. Speaking right now, that was Matt Balo. He is our very own chief marketing officer. Say, Hey there, Matt. Hey there, Matt. And also, Matt, what are some of your favorite nines that you have in Uh, your world? Well, I mean, if anybody could see my soccer shirt and stadium background for Red Bulls, number nine is your classic striker. This is the guy who's up front scoring the goal. So number nine is uh, definitely one of those soccer numbers that stands out to any fan. Very good. Well, you know what? I like your nine. And I want to introduce everybody to our very own tech guy, the founding father of 501C3 Companion. Or no, wait, I just said that wrong. The 501C Lookup website, Nick, the technologist. Nick, give us a big hello. Hello, my favorite nine. How about nine lives, buddy? Nine lives. Nick, it almost took me nine times to get the name of the website right. So I think I have nine lives. I went through eight of them trying to get the website name right. right. Nick, you founded the website. What is the website? So website is 501c3lookup.org. I love it. Perfect. And I see Matt putting it right there into the notes in giant font, so I cannot miss it, but I will. And I am Buddy Scalera. I'm your content strategist, and I'll be hosting this episode tonight. We'll be covering some news. Uh, We will be going through our learning journey of how to make your charity even more effective and efficient using basic marketing techniques. What do you say, guys? Should we get started? Absolutely. And by the way, they're not just basic marketing. This is advanced stuff. You know what, actually, Matt, you know, you've you've just made it so accessible that it feels (laughs) basic, but it really is very advanced stuff. And I love the acronyms. I'm not going to let anybody um, down tonight. We're going to we're actually going to unpack some of the acronyms from last week and see how they can be applied uh, to your charitable organization. But lest we go too far into that, let's just go into our news. Um, You know, last episode, we talked a little bit about Wall Street bets um, who use some of those massive earnings from the GameStop rally if you guys are following the stock market, to raise mm-hmm. over $200,000 in charity. It's pretty amazing. Suddenly, suddenly, very rich people who have lots of disposable income are now sending it to charity. So I'm going to give you two examples, and I'm going to ask you guys to comment on it. Uh, first is Jack Dorsey, the founder of both Twitter and Square, sold his very first tweet for some crazy sum of $2.9 million, but he sold it as an NFT a non-fungible token, which 
be honest with you guys, I'm not 100% sure what it is, but it's not a physical thing. But he sold it for $2.9 million and sent it right to charity. And then a fella named Scott Kohlbrenner uh, went on the Wheel of Fortune, spun the wheel, won himself $145,000, and also gave it to charity. My observation, guys, uh, real basic, is that there is a lot of money out there. And it seems to signal an opportunity for charities. Um, Charities uh, need to do something to attract these opportunities for windfalls from big donors, people who are suddenly have their hands on money and want to do something. Um, And also touch on their existing community of people who may not have thought about it recently. They're signed up for a newsletter they haven't received your newsletter in a while. Maybe they could use a reminder. I'm going to go right to you, Matt, because it sounds uh, well in your wheelhouse of marketing and customer relationships. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, specific to the Jack Dorsey tweet, right? $2.9 million for what? And that for what is the interesting thing for me, because the for what is enabled by an up and coming technology called blockchain. And it's been around for a while. Most people know it as Bitcoin. Bitcoin, however, is an implementation of the technology, which is blockchain. Okay, now the interesting thing about blockchain, the reason it works for currency like Bitcoin is because it securely tracks who owns what. If you own one Bitcoin, it tracks that you own that Bitcoin. Now, the interesting thing about blockchain is for years now, people have been trying to figure out how to use it outside of finance, outside of currency, outside of Bitcoin. And they really haven't snagged onto anything. There's a couple of neat initiatives in healthcare, et cetera. But what's been up and coming, and buddy, you know about this, is ownership of digital media, of digital art. And what we're starting to see is because blockchain can store a Bitcoin and the Bitcoin is just data, why not store art? That's also data. And once you can store the art as data, you can assign and track the ownership. So this is what they did with Jack Dorsey's tweet. They tracked the ownership. Once you can track it, because in the digital world, copy, paste, copy, paste, copy, paste, which is the original? Now you can definitively say, which is the original? Therefore, you can sell it. And that's what they did. And they sold the NFT, that is the token, based on blockchain technology, $2.9 million. And he's taken that and he's donated it to charity. But what's interesting for me is thinking outside the box, and buddy, you like to do this, about there are new and interesting ways that we can leverage our technologies to raise money and think about them. You know, just a couple episodes ago, we were talking about the the original art for the um, what was it? it was the baseball uh, mm-hmm. Hall of Fame, right? Mm-hmm. And they had six artists. Now, if they could sell that original piece of digital art and ownership as an NFT, right, as a token, they might be able to create some money. So now you have somebody that has art, somebody that has this skill, somebody that can put that together digitally and sell it off. That opens up a door for charities to say, hey, maybe this is a way that we can, you know, raise funds, sell something where honestly before now, before this year, really, there was no avenue to sell off digital art. Digital art was not a thing and it's really coming into its own. And that opens the door for so many things like selling a tweet, one tweet for $2.9 million. 
And I think you brought up something that I hadn't thought of, which is the artists who are saying, you know, we're passionate about that baseball charity. I would be happy to donate the JPEG of my work um, so that you can benefit from it. Nick, what were your thoughts when you were reading about these uh, big sales and or winnings in Wheel of Fortune and and these big donations to charities? What were your thoughts? Well, combined together, I mean, one of the things I thought after last week's uh, news about the GameStop donations and this one and Wheel of Fortune, uh, it it, it struck me as a... I don't know, a little bit of contagion, right? I mean, there's been a lot of high-profile donations being made in the last week. You know, throw in the the Bitcoin, you know, which which is all over the news. I think even Tesla today is uh, announcing you buy their car via Bitcoin. So um, just about how contagious, that's kind of what what struck me. I'm still trying to wrap my head around this whole digital NFT, but, um, you know, you explained it probably the best I've heard it so far, Matt. So thanks. Absolutely. I think, guys, I think one of the key things that I uh, that really strikes me, Nick, I think contagion is a great thing, which is to say, OK, you invested a dollar in a Bitcoin and now it's worth sixty thousand dollars. But you didn't invest one. You bought two hundred and fifty dollars worth when they were a dollar. And now you have what is two hundred and fifty dollars times sixty thousand dollars. And well, you know, that's income. And um <laughs> Let's also remember, you know, that was easy money. You spent a dollar. Now it's worth $60,000 per token. Why not spread it around a little bit? And my point on this, guys, is if someone is looking to do something with that money and they're looking for charities and maybe they go to a website to look something up, you need to be ready in case, number one, they want to give you just give you a Bitcoin. Right. They might, you know, if you don't have a, a wallet set up and you, you don't have somebody on your team who's thinking about it or you're just not ready. You ever see these websites that, that haven't been updated since 2018? Well, maybe you're still running, but you're sending out a signal that you've gone dormant. And I think that that's a really important message to, to the charities, which is you need to look current. Yeah. And it's a nice thing if you can take Bitcoin, but even if you can't, you know, you look at a company, as I think you noted Tesla right there, right? Tesla, you know, they reported they make as much money or more in their investments as they do selling their cars. You know, Bitcoin is really showing some profitability in the organization. And, you know, I know we look at, you know, finance and trading and exchange traded stuff, but, you know, Bitcoin is just something that somebody could look at and, and, and own and trade it and be in and out. If you can accept Bitcoin as in like all of those little muffin places did in cupcake shops in New York, I mean, they're riding high right now. Like all investments, you know, make your own choices. It's a bet, but it's just an interesting bet, as you said, buddy, that says, I'm current, I'm with it. And if you are too, if you are operating in Bitcoin and I am too, you know, we might have something in common and maybe I'm the right charity for you. Yeah, there was a time where I was aligned on a board of a cancer charity. And it was very important for the cancer charity to make it very clear to people who have supported the charity and donated money that you know a we were we were spending that money wisely and b yeah. we are very active um and among the things that we had worked on was ensuring that we were posting minimum once a week in social media to ensure that it showed that we were active and that kept donations coming in so i i i do say that nick uh, you assign the right word it's contagion but you have to be there to catch it right you have to be ready to catch that big donation of somebody who's like you know what i'm going to divest you know 
a million dollars worth of money. And to Jack Dorsey, $2.9 million is nothing. He's a billionaire. So he gave $2.9 million of something that was basically ether to him. Well, and just a couple of years ago, that tweet was worth nothing because you couldn't even sell it. NFTs didn't exist. Yeah. So, you know, he he proved a point. And, and I think the charity that benefited from it, hopefully they proved a point that they were ready with the right message. Um, mm-hmm. And and that's it, guys. I think that, you know, keeping an eye on the news and interpreting that news to the benefit of charities is what we do here. And um what I'd like to transition into now is our ongoing topic. And I want to just preface this by saying to people, anybody who's listening, jumping on episode number nine and thinking, wow, where do I get more of this? Don't worry. We will tell you where you can get more of this. In fact, the important thing is, is this is an ongoing serialized journey. Um, It's great to jump on now, but it is helpful to go back to some of the earlier episodes. Uh, Matt is taking us through a series of um, easy to understand, but very uh, important marketing principles that will help you to make your charity uh, more effective, more efficient, and reach the audience that you want to reach. Matt, do you want to lead in and tell us what we'll be learning about tonight and why we're sort of going a little bit back to the last episode to re really put a spotlight on the the topics. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, after the last episode, we thought it went really well, but um, it was pretty interesting and relative to our standard topics of marketing and strategy um, behavior change as a science uh, is relatively new to a lot of people. And so what we wanted to do, you know, we were talking uh, after the show, we said, you know what, let's take a step back. There was some stuff we didn't cover. And there was some stuff that we covered quickly. So let's take a minute and go back and recover a little bit of those acronyms and then get into some of those areas we weren't able to get into because it's very, very important to be diligent about how you approach things. You don't want to be wasteful. You know, when you're a, when you're a, a charity, when you're an organization like the ones we reach out to and that we talk to, you know, we're not the billionaires. We're not, we don't, we can't afford waste. You know, every dollar counts. And, and not to mention when you have people donating, you want to be able to go back to them and say, we were thoughtful. We made every dollar count. We did the best we could with each one of those dollars. And especially now when we're talking about something like this, which is your marketing dollars. And I can tell you being thoughtful makes a difference, right? I mean, I've done this professionally for for 20 years and being thoughtful about your targeting, being thoughtful about your channels, being thoughtful about the messaging really does make a big impact into how your marketing goes. So we're gonna take a step back and we're gonna look at a couple of those things. Sound good? Really good. Yeah, it's good, Matt. And thank you for, um, you know, going back over some of the earlier topics. You know, despite being a, a marketing professional, um, you know, none of us know everything. So I really learned a lot la- last week. So you want to just address the acronyms that you talked about and just give them a, a 30 second overview so that we know what we talked about last week to help digest it and then lead us into the next thing. Absolutely. So I'm going to start with um, mind space, M-I-N-D-S-P-A-C-E. You can find this. This is in the Journal of Economic Psychology. We will post the link. Um, I'm not sure I have to check if you actually have to pay for the article, the publication itself, but the name of the article is Influencing Behavior, the Mind Space Way. And it's a very for me, an interesting read. And so if you're interested in more of this, you can find it there. But I'm going to start with mind space. Excuse me. 
we're going to go with M for my in Mindspace. M is the messenger. Okay, and let's let's take each one of these for a minute or so and talk about what it means for organizations. So messenger, messengers are we are influenced by who communicates to us, their authority on the topics, and our feelings for the messenger. Okay, now let's let's unpack that. Let's think about that for a minute. What what do you what's your reaction to the messenger, the who? Well, certainly it's, you know, even when you work in an organization, there's usually somebody at the top of the organization. And if that person's talking, if that person is the CEO, what they say carries a lot of weight. So who, um, as a messenger, is is significant. Right. So if I was to give you car advice (laughs) for somebody like our friend Chris, which messenger do you think is a bit more reliable You're muted. On car advice? Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm going to say, I'm, I'm going to beg off on this one to start a, start a <laughs> fight between me. the two of you. No, um, I, I, I don't know. Right? So, or let's, let's go, let's make it a little bit easy. Uh, if we were to talk about comic books, Nick, if somebody was to, if you were to go to something, and I was to tip you advice on investing in comic books and what direction you think you should go, who's the right messenger? Um, Which one of us? Uh, <laughs> hey, yay, because I have a garage full of them. That's right. That's right. Just one. Just one garage. Yeah, I Two think garages. celebs too. I, you know, I, I'm always thinking of Instagram and influencers. So messengers, the, uh, you know, that person who's sending it could be the but CEO, could be a physician, healthcare That's professionals. Right. I always think of health. And it's also interesting to your point, Nick. You know, to there's ways to see like who are they? How are they credentialed? Are they a paid influencer? Oh well, maybe I shouldn't. Yeah, they're being paid, right? Or are they? An organic influencer. I use this. I love it. I found it. This is something that I passionately believe in. I'm not being paid to be here right now, right? You know, what's driving them? Um, how do you feel about them? You know, that that uh, person over there just um, threw an egg at my garage, and now they're trying to give me investment advice, right? I mean, you think about how that, how you react to something like that. I just kind of primed you to say, look, they threw an egg at your garage and now they're giving you investment advice. And your instant reaction is like, I don't know if I'd accept that, right? But why? What does an egg have to do with whether or not somebody knows about investing? Absolutely nothing. But you see what your mind did there by priming the, the, the who, right? The messenger. Okay. So now we're going to move on to, well, let's, let me just finish there. So what are you qualified to speak on? That's important to know yourself and to know your organization and to know what you can say and what people want to get, what information do they want to get from you, right? So this is the content. You don't want to overreach. You have to know what business you're in. Make sense? So when you're a, outbound communicating. Yeah, well, so a, a, a charity for cancer ostensibly will have people who are well-informed about that health topic, uh, especially if they have physicians on the board, which in the case of the the board that I was on, it did have physicians on the board. So as messengers, they were credible talking about 
cancer topics. Right. And maybe treatment. But if you're going to talk about uh, care or experience, you may want a patient or a patient advocate. Right. Mm. So it's still cancer, different sides of it. Again, what are you qualified to speak on? So it's just interesting remembering where you get your information. I think probably the smartest thing I ever heard down at South by Southwest in 2015 is you are not your customer. Right. Think about that. You're not your customer. You have to understand who they trust, who they are, what they need, understand their needs. Go out and do research. Understand the messenger. I'm going to jump to I incentives. The type, the size, the time, the reference or perception of the incentive, the loss or punishment, the estimation, the experience, right? What are people giving up? These are all incentives. So let's talk about incentives. What incentive does somebody have to do something? Right? You have any. Go ahead, Nick. It's a mind, you know, maybe, you know, some, you know, you, you, you had a windfall, you'll maybe you feel guilty about having, you know, such a big windfall and you want to, you know, put your mind at ease and feel you're doing some public good. So incentive could be, you know, how you feel as a donor. I think about National Public Radio, too. You know, they'll get a donation from, I don't know, some vendor, and they'll say, you know, the first people to donate, get this free book. You know, first people to donate $100, get this free book. Now, the book isn't even worth $100, but, you know, they've incentivized you to level up to 100 uh, and humble bump. Bundle does that. Like you can buy yeah. digital uh, assets, and Humble Bundle will do like a ten dollar tier, a fifty dollar, you know, and it goes to charity. And the people, and but the the the, the people who own the, the 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 eBooks or the video games donate it, and that's an incentive for people to make a, a larger donation. It's also incentive to move fast. Think about what you just said. The first hundred. So I was thinking of donating. If I do it now, I get a book. I wait till tomorrow, I might not get a book. Right. Right. That's front loading the donations. That's why they do that. Right. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Added incentive. If you do it now, we'll give you something. You do it later, you don't get it. It almost feels like something we discussed later, which is loss aversion. You feel like you have that incentive and it would be taken away if you don't act now. Right. Because part of the mentality, the incentive, why do people do it could be an emotional thing. So you want to create an emotional connection, tell that story. Right. You want to have an incentive about doing good. You want to feel good about it. Let's create that connection. So when you do it, you feel like you're the one that's taken action, that you've contributed directly to that healing, that help, that feeding, whatever that charity does. So is an influential be so Mindspace right now. I'm as I'm I'm trying to just remind myself and the listeners. Mindspace is about things that influence behavior, right? How to get people to and it's a mnemonic trick. And yep. you're a messenger incentive. So in Mindspace, we have a few we have a few letters to go. So we may want to start okay. to work work through those letters. All right. N norms social cohort cohort. Sorry positive and negative influences, the norms. What's the normal thing to do? What is what are, what are you expected to do? What are those social influences, right? What's going on? So what, what can you say about a norm? Think about a norm for a second. Well, I've been to 
any number of fundraisers and the norm is that you're going to write a check of some kind according to your means and you know sometimes you go to a something like a tricky tray right and you know that it's a fundraiser for some organization and you're like eh, i don't really need a boom box but you know i'm going to put a i'm going to put a few tricky tray tickets in there mm-hmm. because that's what everyone else is doing you ever see um where red, you know, after you've donated or if you donate to a charity, you can wear jeans to work. Right. right. Now, who's not wearing jeans? Mm, I don't know. Uh, oh, I see what you're saying. Right. Oh, who's not wearing red? Oh, you didn't. Yeah. Know, right. Well, let me you know, give my five bucks so I can wear the red shirt. Right. Social norm, social pressure. Right. So what is everybody else doing? How are how is the how, how are we moving through? What's the social pressures? And it's not always negative. There's also positive social pressures, as we've read, you know, and we see this stuff go viral on uh, Wall Street bets, et cetera, for, mm-hmm. for donating to gorillas. That contagion could be the part of that as well. You know, if I'm yeah. a millionaire, you're a millionaire. What's the right thing to do? Donate a million. It's a norm. Yeah. <laughs> Good right. I'm gonna. It's a good one. Let's do that. We're gonna go with D. Default. We go with the flow. The preset options. Okay. So, the default option of making a choice is the easiest thing to do. So, when you're signing up for a newsletter, when you're registering for something on a site, what is the default option at the bottom? Click here to subscribe to our newsletter, right? I'm buying, I'm checking out, I'm whatever, and I have to opt out of something. By default, I am opted in. I have to take an action to no longer partake. I have to get an email. I have to unsubscribe. I default opt you in. So we see defaults happening a lot, right? In a, in a checkout system, default round up for charity, right? So you give that extra 43 cents unless you opt out of it. People are less likely to opt out. We saw the big case study was an organ donation. Uh, we see that uh, when people, you know, right now, I think in the US, I think it's still opt in when you apply for a license, you can opt into organ donation. In other countries, they've experimented with opting out and they found that people don't tend to opt out, right? So you this, this strong desire to go with the default is actually very big in like public health and things like that, where you want to, you need to opt out of being healthy, opt out of the safe thing, right? As opposed to opting into doing it. So that default is a very strong driver for behavior. Set the default when you have the option to the behavior that you're looking to get. Make sense? Makes sense. Okay. That's M-I-N-D, messenger incentives, norms, defaults. Now we're going to go into saliency. We are influenced by what our attention is drawn to, something novel, simple, easily accessible, okay? We are more likely to understand things that are presented in ways that relate to our personal experience, right? Something that we don't have to figure out, right? Make sense? Mm-hmm. So if there's something out there, um, uh, think think about about if there's something that catches your eye and something that seems interesting, right? You see this in marketing a lot, right? You see an ad, ads are very much about marketing testing, about where is the eye drawn? Buddy, are you familiar with any specific patterns? 
Right. You know, eye tracking, uh, we go in a Z pattern and, you know, we, we read left to right and down diagonally and then left to right again. And, you know, if you build something that breaks that pattern, it is hard for people to read and understand. Mm-hmm. 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 Right. So we want to draw your eye to that piece of information that we're trying to get you, that area we want you to focus on. And there's lots of ways to do that. And you see that in cover art, right? You see that zoom into something and it draws your eye along it. You see the Z foundation, as you know, we natively read in. And you see ways of calling stuff out that grabs you and ropes you in that says, look over here, right? And there's lots of different ways to do that. It could be something that's familiar as well. Right. If there's something in that image that resonates with you, that may also catch your eye. It's just not it's not always just the big, bright thing. Sometimes it's something that's familiar to you that helps you make that connection that makes you look twice, that catches your eye, that says that's something that I can trust that resonates with my brain quickly. Remember, we actually discussed now with that include, slow thinking. Would that include when you have like a celebrity charity or like a celebrity talking about their favorite charity you know because is that what you mean um you know that may be more of a messenger you know um you know rather than something like this um you know it's not about drawing your attention i think i think it could be considered creating awareness you know might do it but i would probably want to add something in there about accessibility of the metric of the of the message for something like this not just you know, the trusted messenger when, you know, certain celebrities go out and they speak and they say, Hey, do this thing. And I'm like, so I'm, I'm trying to wrap this back to our listeners who probably run or organize or lead a charity. Yeah. What, what are, what are we, what are we to take from this? For, for the essay, I would say what you would take from this is you want to have something that's interesting something that's novel, something that's simple and easily absorbed, right? So we'll see this in our success story uh, and um, uh, metric later on. These things are easily absorbed by our brain and then can be acted upon. If it's something that relates to you, something you're familiar with, something that captures your attention, something that's new, right? Simple, keep your messages there, stay on message. What are you qualified to speak on? And it's something that can be absorbed and acted on quickly. Think about this one more, maybe in the execution. Okay. All right. I'm willing. I'm willing to let that one go. Okay. But, but the but the next three better win. Better. They better, better win. win you. They better. Yeah, they win better you. win. Well, maybe we'll come back to that one. Okay. P priming. Okay. Exposing people to certain things can change their behavior later. You can prime people, okay? You can ask people what they intend to do before you ask them to do it. Once they declare their intention, later on, they'd be more likely to carry it through, right? So you're walking into a charity, you're greeting people by the door. We're in a post-COVID world. Hello, thank you for coming. Do you plan to donate tonight? Yes. Great, thank you so much for your donation. That priming 
will help pull that through later. There's also things that you can do in visual mm-hmm. dollar signs. There's things that you can do in relative relativeness, as you see, like at the famous cases are like popcorn studies at movie theaters, right? You know, you price the medium as a large, nobody buys it. You put a higher priced one, all of a sudden people buy it, right? Because you're primed to think now that that's a deal because it's less expensive than the most expensive, right? So the, you, you group things together. You, you mentioned humble before, right? Grouping mm-hmm. those things together. There's a lot that you can do for priming. Can you think of any other good examples of priming, right? Um, I think a, a good priming is is what you had said about priming people to donate mm-hmm. and you know, trying to help people see maybe a leaderboard, you know, yeah. here's how close we are to our goal. Mm-hmm. Um, here's, you know, the biggest donor tonight is Nick Rufa because he's the millionaire. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, you're primed to say, well, you know, people are giving big. I'm going to give big tonight as well. Yeah. And when you're dieting, say maybe your charity is about food and eating healthy, right? Larger portions tend to cause people to eat more, right? So you want to, if you want to understand behavior, you know, subliminal messaging for security, just having a photo of eyes helps things be more secure. You don't even need a camera, just a picture of eyes, right? This kind mm-hmm. of thing. Happy faces put people in a more giving mood. If somebody is nice to you, you may be more inclined to help somebody else, mm-hmm. right? All things that help people think of priming as getting you in a mindset, helping get you there. Make sense? Yeah. All right. Did that one make up for S? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I agree. <laughs> we, we are holding them to a higher standard, Nick. Um. This one's a little bit a little bit more difficult uh, because I think you're very familiar with it, and it's going to seem simplistic to you. But this is effect, right? This is emotional associations that influence our decision, right? And we know this. We've discussed this one to death, right? Provoking an emotion changes our behavior. So I don't want to go too deep on this one because it's pretty clear to us at this point how emotional uh, attachment can have impact on behavior. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, this is why they show kids that are suffering from a health condition as a reason to donate to the research for that. Mm -hmm. Right. That affects you. And you want to make sure that you're like, wow, that's, you know, we don't want to see that kid suffering. So, you know, we're going to donate money both for the, the kids who are suffering now and research for the future. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and there, there's lots of ways to help do that. You know, you can, you want to make some kind of an emotional connection, but you're also trying to get an emotional reaction. So for this one, for a fact, try and think about the reaction as well as the connection. You really want that feeling that, that, and and it can be a negative feeling too. So like, you know, if I show you pictures of dirt and dirty, you may be more inclined to be clean, Mm -hmm. right? You know, if that's kind of what you're going for. So, you know, you want to just, the idea is to really extract and impact an emotion, Mm -hmm. right? And then obviously relative to what you're trying to accomplish. So again, just to think it through, make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. We have M-I-N-D-S-P-A. Now we're going to see, we're going to commitment, Okay. Uh, Commitment is, let's see, um, 
costs of failure don't need to be high. A public or, or privately documented statement of intention, right? That can shape our action. So when you commit to something, when you say, I'm going to do it, like if we all on this podcast publicly declare after this episode, we will donate $5, right? We've made a commitment. And even me saying that for you, knowing that maybe I'll check in, you're not just the result. You feel like you're going to do it. And if you write it down, that commitment is stronger. If you make it public, that commitment is stronger. And this is why in business, a lot of people say make lists. Write down your goals for the year. Write down your goals for your organization. Hang them on the wall next to your desk. Look at what you've committed to. Don't get distracted from it. And it's more than just that. It's because you've made a commitment, you're going to pull it through, right? And other people are like that through. Now, buddy, we've discussed this one a couple of times over the years about commitment and writing things down and making that commitment. Do you have any thoughts on this? I, uh, I do. I, I have a little notebook where I put my my annual goals. I keep it right here at my fingertips, right? Mm-hmm. If people are watching. They could see my notebook, although it's blending into the background. And it is important to review your goals. And it would probably be beneficial for the charity to ensure that their mission statement is reviewed. Mm-hmm. Um, and... You know, it's not just the charity itself. It's all the people who are on the board should have a written commitment to what they will bring to the charity. And I think that that's important. So often, everybody just assumes they know what the the function is or even their own goals are. So writing things down, committing to them is really the only way to – to really get things done. I actually, you know, wrote down my goals and this podcast fits into my professional goals, mm-hmm. you know, you to, can. you know, to use my capabilities as a content person and, and a technologist to uh, better, you know, help charities get more effective, more efficient and, and raise more money for the good, for their good causes. So, that was one of the things I wrote down. I committed to it, and that's why I'm part of the podcast. And Nick, you did the same thing by building the website. You committed to helping others, and that's a big commitment. But you know, if you stop doing it, people would be impacted because they wouldn't have that resource anymore. Right. Now, just to note that you know there is a correlation between size of the commitment and potential for follow through. Right. If I commit $10,000, if we don't do 10 podcasts, you better believe we're doing 10 podcasts. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like the, it, there's a, there is a correlation between the commitment, the penalty. Again, mm-hmm. this is why it's personal first making thinking known, making something show. So and there's also a reciprocity side to it. Like I'll do it if you'll do it. Right. Hey, I'm in for five bucks if you're in for five bucks, right? You know, we'll both do it. Or if I give you something, you may be more likely to help me out later, right? right. This concept of O, right? So think about commitment. Commitment's often very strong. I remember a project I worked on years ago had a tree, and as people came in, they signed a pledge. It was a pledge that was posted on the tree, and as they signed the pledge, their signature joined the tree. This symbolized a commitment, and the idea was to help behavior change because the fact of writing it down 
and it joining everybody else's commitment and you could see everybody's commitment displayed meant that even when they left, even when they went back home, you know, that will still stick with you and you're more likely to stay with it. So, you know, so I could see something like that at a, at a charitable function or a web page where people are making public commitments about what they're going to do next year, how they're going to give, how they're going to volunteer, all great ways to get commitment. I think that's one of the most powerful ones, Matt, of all the uh, letters so far in Mindspace. You think it reminds me of uh, Cialdini's influence books and persuasion books, and he goes mm-hmm. through, uh, you know, how writing something down, even even if you write down a belief that is opposite of what you think now, they've done studies where later on you've slowly changed your mind toward what you had written down. So wow, the power of writing down is incredible. And Nick, do you are you a writer downer? I do. Yes. Yeah. Very much I, so. I, I'm, I'm very much a list maker, uh, but the writing down of goals uh, I found is transformative. My notebook is also disappearing, but it's right here with my pen. Yeah, it's funny. Right, it, it, it mine's right here, there. too. <laughs> <laughs> I like yours, Matt. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. It's good that you have one, and it's good that you have it next to you and you keep it <clears> you, right? Like you said, Nick, it's strong. Okay, I'm going to move on to the final one. We have M, Minds Messenger, I, Incentives, N, Norms, D, Defaults, S, Saliency, P, Priming, A, Effects, C, Commitment, and we are on to the E of Mindspace, which is ego. Okay, we act in ways that support a positive and consistent self-image, right? We set high expectations for ourselves in order to achieve them. What do you think? That's not when you call me, I have a big ego. That's a different thing, right? No, no, no. This is the more the psychology. Psychology. <laughs> so how does this relate? I don't, I'm not sure if I'm tracking on how ego uh, relates to the charities. Is that? Well, um, go into. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's about placing expectations. Yeah. Right. I mean, so part of it is, you know, buddy, this is why I compliment you a lot. Oh, Right. I mean, I set a high bar, you know, knowing how, I mean, to be honest, famous of a writer you are. Right. I mean, you've worked on some serious names in comics. Mm -hmm. Right. You've got them on your wall. You know, we've talked a lot about it. You're connect well connected in the industry. Right. You've got comic book school. You've done such amazing things. Right. And Mm -hmm. so you set that high bar for yourself that when I ask you to write up a piece of bio for our show, I know that you're going to deliver. All right. How does that feel? Like I want to do work, (laughs) right? Like I want to help. We've set a high expectation and you're going to attain it. Okay. So how does this relate? We want to do go ahead. But I want to know how did this relate now to charities is i'm trying to get my hand around how how a charitable organization can interpret this and use this absolutely the same way i just did with you we set a high expectation for their users for their funders so we're going to run a mile walk a mile how many miles are you going to do buddy because i think you could do at least 10 or 20 for charity okay right we're going to set that high expectation because we know that every one of our users can raise $100 because it's $100 and we know you can do it, right? And there's set that high expectation, that self-image that we, you know you're great at a great writer. I know you're a great writer. I reinforce your self-image and your positive self-image 
to help, right? And we place a high expectation on you knowing you can achieve it and helping us work together to get there. So ego helps you, helps me, helps us get to where we need to go. So this is about reinforcing a positive self-image because you are somebody who gives. We do this podcast because we want to give back to community. We're good people. That reinforces this positiveness about how what we believe in ourselves, right? That keeps us coming back week after week because we believe people listen to this, benefit from this. We're helping people and that makes us feel good. Right. So this is how you help. Remember, this is all this is Mindspace is all about getting action, behavior change, changing behavior. Right. So ego is about using our own perceptions of ourselves. OK. And, and your perception of you. I use your perception of you. You understand? Oh, so it, tell me, how can a charity benefit from is is that what you're trying to say that they can use that to get people to mm-hmm. donate or contribute help me out i'm still struggling i, I um, think the way i interpret it bad and you tell me if i'm on the right track it's making the donors feel not only good about themselves they set a high expectation uh, uh, all right go ahead. i'm gonna i'm gonna simplify this yeah. for you I'm going to simplify this for you in 1960s marketing terms. Okay. All right. You know, when, when somebody comes up to you, when you're at an event and somebody comes up to you at a booth and they want to be, they're a salesman, they're a salesperson, right? And they want to sell you something, right? They don't start off by selling you something. Come in and buy. They're making you feel good about you. I'm interested in you. I want to have a conversation, positive self-image sales technique, right? Now, this is kind of the, you know, personalized way of doing it, sales way of doing it, right? Approaching you, making you feel good about you. There was a, um, a study, you'll be shocked at this study in 2006 that said, um, somebody named Landry, uh, they showed that male respondents donated more to charity when approached by attractive females. All right. Right. Okay. Because, and actually I believe it worked the other way as well. So this is a result of a desire to maintain a positive self image of somebody who set an expectation of you that you were somebody that would donate and somebody that you wanted to impress. You wanted to be the person they thought you were mm-hmm. and you wanted to donate more. So on average, the male students at the college where this was performed donated more money, right? And that's just one simple example, right? But there's other ways to do it. As you know, I was complimentary of your skills and I used that to get things moving for, for the episode or things like that, right? There's different ways and you have to contextualize to your audience who they are, that they're important, Right. This is really starts to get very personal about, you know, knowing your audience, what you're qualified and you start to put them together, what you're qualified to speak on, what your message is, what's the incentive, positive self-image. You're grouping this all together and you're deciding for what you're trying to do, which of these can be the most impactful. OK, right? so because you're not always going to do all of them. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. You know, now I'm thinking I think I'm starting to get it. That mind space isn't all you're not using all of these techniques you're 
maybe using a combination or one that works for you. Could be one, right? Could be one. You may use the color red because you think it helps with hunger at your restaurant. Mm -hmm. Yellow, but whatever. You know, it could be that you use smiley faces and dollar signs to help increase um, um, the average donation, right? So you take all these things together and you decide, and this is part of a, a team that I was on some years ago, was deciding how all of these group together. And is there a way to decide for each case, right? It may be um, smoking cessation. It may be eating healthy. Mm-hmm. It may be donating to charity. Which of these techniques works best in which situation? All right. And that's up for you to decide, you know, so we can think of these as, as clubs in your golf bag, mm-hmm. right. And you have to decide which is the right one to use where we are. So back to the beginning, the mind space acronym, um, which it was easier once I pulled it up on the screens and, and followed along with you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, is something we'll include in the show notes. Um, can you just put a bow around what uh, a charitable organization or a board member should know about mind space and then how can they put that into practice? Absolutely. The greatest benefit for their, their charity. Absolutely. And it's like, as we mentioned earlier, it's slightly an advanced technique, but by the time you've gotten to mind space, right, you've done a bunch of other things. You've actually, hold on, let me jump up on my notes here and I'll tell you what you've done. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. You have set your vision. You've set your mission. You know yourself. You've set your goals. You understand what you're trying to accomplish and the actions and the resources you have to accomplish those goals. You've determined your market segments. You've grouped people by how, you know, whatever grouping mechanism you have, could be income, could be physical location. You have decided who is your target market, you know, and that was the episode where we talked about the Ferraris, Mm -hmm. right? Once you've determined your target market, you've created personas, those fake maps that kind of give you something to bounce off. And you've decided what those people, how do they behave? And how would you like them to behave? Those are current and desired behaviors. So we started up with your your strategy. You've learned about your audience. And we're starting to put that together into now that we have current and desired behaviors, how do we get from the current behaviors to the desired behaviors? And that's where mind space comes in because you're trying to figure out what is the best technique for behavior change? What will work? Will it be reciprocity? Will it be a messenger? Do we need a thought leader? Do we need an athlete to say, when you wear these shoes, you'll jump higher or score more, right? What's going to help change that behavior? Because what we're going to do next is we're going to start to get into content strategy where we're going to be able to determine how to then craft those messages and best get them out to the audience. We'll get into channel strategy. Then we'll start to get into individual channels, technology, and some other things. So right now we're at that behavior change point. We've understand it. Who is our audience? What are their current behaviors and what do we want their behaviors to be? Now we're starting to think about how to get from current to desired behaviors. Make sense? It does. So 
you know, as I as I as I as I look at them uh, in the in the list, it, it's messenger. So who says it? Incentive. You know, why would you? do this the norms you know what are what are what are other people like you doing what are the defaults like you know well the lowest donation we usually take is twenty dollars salience how is it relevant to you priming like you said you know how much are you planning to donate tonight uh effect how does it affect you commitments and ego i mean this is there's a lot here matt i mean you know and i think that any organization that is actively looking to raise money and and make an impact uh, needs to be thinking about these types of techniques which are let's let's kind of call it what it is a lot of these are are like sales techniques um you want to close a sale and you want people to feel good about taking money out of their wallet but in the end of the day that's closing so i think some of the things that you talked about here um may not be comfortable for uh organizations or people but i think it's important if you have a mission as you said what is your mission if your mission is to raise money for pick a charity these are the things that you that you may want to consider right if that's your mission keep in mind when we did our vision and mission this is why we posted it on the wall and your goals because your goal may not be to generate money right because remember early early on we talked about the five whys so it's not a dirty it's not a dirty word behavior change right because behavior change can be maybe your goal is to Decrease smoking by 5% next year. Right. Like get people to stop smoking, right? Mm-hmm. Or something like that. That's not about raising money. That's about changing behavior. And if I never raise a dollar, but I still affect change, that's good. We talked about saving pit bulls, right? There may be a way, if that's your mission to save them, donation just enables you to do that directly. But if there was a way that I said, you could save pit bulls and you didn't have to take money from people and have behavior change, right? That could be a way that you would take. So you have to remember, what is your goal? Because your goal is not to get money, right? Your goal is why you started this charity. The behavior change, right? right. Behavior change, right? So think about it that way. Getting money is just one aspect of a charity and typically that's so they can get closer to their goals. Right. It's, it's, it's a thing that you have to do to get close to it. But if you didn't have to, if you could directly impact behavior, that could also help you meet your goal. I think it was a good way to, you know, I was thinking also in terms of donations, you know, mind space in terms of donations, but you were totally right, Matt. It, you know, you brought it back to using those behavior changes for anything. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have to be just that, you know, we're, we're kind of donation focused, but To be honest, it's used a lot in public health. It's used a lot in smoking cessation. It's used a lot in eating healthy. It's used a lot in exercising, get out and exercise, right? It's it's used a lot in areas. So like if right now the three of us commit to walking at least one mile a day, you know, and we're going to check in next week, that's a strong behavior change. I didn't raise one single dollar. I didn't take anything from you, but I made you a healthier person and I can feel good about that. Yeah, right. Like there's for women, there's checking for breast lumps. For men, mm-hmm. it's it's uh, you know checking your prostate and different types of conditions. That yeah, you're right. It's it doesn't necessarily mean extracting a donation. It might just be a behavior change. So no, that was a good point. And that's why it's so important that we don't skip those steps at the beginning. And it's so important that you keep them in your mind because it's easy to, as we call it, scope creep. Right? It's easy to start to think 
that your objective is to get money because that's what you're so focused on. But never lose sight of your objective of the organization. It could be to grow healthier crops. It could be to feed somebody. It could be to help get help medicine or healthcare to somebody. It could be cleaning up an area, right? So behavior change in that, maybe me down by my favorite river where I love to fish, posting a picture of eyes in the tree. And that is enough to stop people from throwing trash on the ground. Yeah. Right? Behavior change without taking a dollar. No, I think that's a good point, Matt. I think, you know, cleaning up waterways was not a priority <laughs> maybe in the 70s and 80s but now in the 90s and the thousands it it certainly is because we now in the 90s <laughs> now in the 90s okay easy there tiger um no but hey, look at him nick he's picking on me we're on a live show and I'm, I'm doing my best here um but you know as we as we think about it the behavior change uh is probably um, part of the mission statement. And if it's not in the mission statement, it needs to be clear what your mission is as a charitable organization, yeah. why you exist. And it may be raising money. It may be cleaning a waterway. It may be changing health behaviors. And I think that that's, um, I think, I think that, that the mind space acronym makes a little bit more sense when you phrase it that way. Yeah. Just remember what behavior change is. It's like it's not a nefarious thing. It's you're trying to do good in the world. And that's why we're here. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, that you know, the, the basis of marketing is behavior change, um, but n n not for anything. The, you know, the organizations are not marketing organizations. It may be, you know, just education. Right. Yeah. Be aware of the food you eat. You know, uh, just to be, you know, just to be as, as lowest common denominator. Yeah. And that's why it's always good to keep these things in mind, but don't go overboard with them. Right. So when you're crafting your message, take pieces, take the parts you can leave the parts you can't. If you really want to focus on one thing, choose it. I choose messenger, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm going to go on that and I'm going to start to really think about what I'm qualified to communicate, you know, to within within our organization, or I'm going to choose uh, commitment and I'm going to figure out, you know, how I can show people's names posted really big at ShopRite when I check out and you sign your name to do something as a donation. Everybody in my entire town gets to see what I donated, right? You know, so I think it's something that, you know, that also helps with ego. It helps with commitment. You know, you want to understand how those things are impactful. And I think, I think impactful is the word, Matt. I think, you know, every charity probably exists to have, make an impact. Yep. Right. They exist to make an impact. And, you know, fundraising is one way to have an impact, but there are many ways to have an impact. And I think that that's, that, you know, again, Matt, you'll be providing this in the show notes. Yep. Right. Uh, the yep, mind space. Yep. Um, can you just, because uh, we're, you know, coming close toward the end of time, yep. remind us uh, what you've covered yep. so far and then where we're going uh, next week. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, what we've covered to date is, as I as I kind of noted a little bit earlier, we started very high with understanding ourselves, the equivalent, the organizational or charity equivalent of a business plan, mm -hmm. right? This is your vision, your mission, and your goals. Then you started to determine what actions I need to do to meet those goals and the resources I have to do it. From there, we started to look, that was internal. Then we went out. 
We said, who is our market? What are the segments? How do I look at them? How do I group them into cohorts so that I can address them? And this is market segmentation. It could be a physical segmentation, people in the tri-state area, right? It could be, you know, people over six feet tall, could be anything, right? That you decide to group on. It's what's important to you. People who love cars, people who love dogs, right? So this is, you're starting to get into target market and then personas, right? Personas are a description of them, which is, again, we started internal. What am I about? External, who is my audience? Understanding their current behaviors, and desired behaviors. Now we're getting into a little bit of behavior change. Soon now we're going to start to put it all together to build the journey because we're going to say, okay, we understand who they are and the current behaviors and the behaviors we want. You link each of those behaviors together with arrows. Over time, you have what's called the journey, right? The life, what's happening. And you can identify and prioritize because we don't have unlimited budgets, which of those behaviors are opportunities. And so we're going to start to get into opportunities. And then as we get into opportunities, we're going to start to get into crafting the content, putting this all together, the content strategy of how we then begin to message and make that happen and bring it to life. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And again, um, I encourage all listeners who found this to be enlightening, um, but maybe a little challenging, go back to the early episodes. All the episodes are uh, live on the website at 501c3lookup.org, the little tab there for podcasts. And um, this is a long journey for us. Uh, We're doing this surely out of the passion that we share for charitable organizations and and making the world a better place. So um, if there's anything you want to know more about, uh, you can reach out to us. And we're about to get into the segment where we talk about where we can be found. Um, Matt, where can they find the podcast? How can they subscribe? Well, as you just noted, the podcast uh, can be directly listened to over at Nick's wonderful website that has thousands of charity and charitable information on it, which is 501c3lookup.org. And you can click on click on the 501 Companion podcast where you have the video and the audio, depending how you want to watch it. Or you can use whichever podcast app you want, and we're available uh, for streaming there. And Nick, um, we just mentioned your website. Just Can you just remind the audience what the the function of the the website is and how much do they have to pay to use it? The website is completely free. The website contains uh, 2 million plus records uh, published by the IRS. So it's got all the uh, um, listing of all the nonprofits in the the U.S. basically. And you can search by state, different categories, uh, zip codes even. So that's... Kind of the meat and potatoes of the site. Now we've added the uh, 501 Companion Podcast to it as well. That's I've awesome. gotten in the habit of searching for categories that I'm interested in in my mm-hmm. state. One, you know, once or twice a year when I'm looking to make a, a donation with the kids and choose something. It's a great way to just find a list. I choose my state, type in a keyword like, "What are you kids interested in? Soccer? Okay, let's see what kind of soccer charities." And there's lots of different ones out there. You know, host in many different ways. You can sort by size of the charity assets, yeah, all sorts of great information that Nick's got in there. And I, I use it as a little uh, trivia thing if somebody's interested in some sort of topic i'm like 
oh, there's a charity about that. And I pull it off of uh, Nick's website because actually it's better than the Google because it is a search engine that only searches charities, which I think is, um, you know, Google searches everything. This searches uh, just charities from uh, reputable sources. So, Nick, where, where can they find you? So you can find me at Nick underscore Rufa on Twitter or Nick Rufa on Instagram. And or they can just go to the website, right? Go to 501c3lookup.org anytime. Click the contact and, and, and you'll and you're yeah. there. You, you'll pop up like like a service guy. Just hey, hey. Uh, and Matt, where can they find you on uh, on the web and social media? Uh, well, I mean, the easiest place, everything is linked from my website, MatthewBalo.com. That's B-A-L-O-G-H. There's no U, uh, .com. Uh, or you can find me on LinkedIn. Again, it's linked off of my website, a uh, little icon there. Uh, at, uh, I think it's just Matt Balo on LinkedIn. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I will tell you, Matt is active on LinkedIn. And, you know, if you if you reach out to him, he, he will answer. <laughs> Uh, and my name is Buddy Scalera, and you can find me in all places at Buddy Scalera on the web, on Twitter, on Instagram. Um, and thank you all for listening. We hope you're finding this show to be enlightening and are enjoying joining us on this journey. So for whatever charities you support, be generous. Thanks, everybody. Good night. Good night, everybody.